Hey, my amazing friends, welcome to yet another episode of Remastered Darwin's Deviations. This is my most favorite episode I ever made. Why? I don't know. <sighs> Guys, I'm already three episodes in. I'm, I'm fucking tired. I don't feel like doing this. <sighs> Why did I even start doing this remastered project? Guys, just listen to the episode and, and enjoy it. It is very short. Just like Dickie and his lifespan. Oh, and it has the best jokes I ever made on the show. I really, really like this episode, but uh, I don't know. I, I'm probably going to talk about it after the episode if I feel like it. Just stay tuned until the end. <laughs> My amazing friends, welcome to Darwin's Deviations. This will be the best episode to date. So, you know what I like more than living animals? Dead ones. Ones that have been erased from existence, leaving only their eroded remains. Often in compromising positions so we can give them funny names and laugh at them. Dude, even I'm not that evil. No, it's paleontology, it's a legit science. Think mammoths and saber-toothed tigers and dinosaurs. I can't do this. That last one completely drained me out, guys. I feel so tired. I'd rather dispense my butt on the sofa, watch TV like a vegetable, or roll around my floor, eat those cookie crumbs I forgot to vacuum. I don't even care about dinosaurs that much. I'd rather enjoy the spineless Lovecraftian horrors that lived much before them. Now, I was planning on covering the Cambrian explosion. Started to research it a bit. Man, so much information. So many species. So much activity in their lives. They had a shrimp that reigned as the fastest, most supreme predator. And here I am, a lazy slob. They had so much more going on in their lives. I hate it. Why are these simple organisms so much cooler than me? Well, I guess I should dig deeper into our geological history. What kind of things lived before the Cambrian periods? Hmm, it says here, these were usually simple, soft-bodied, multicellular organisms. Wow, I'm a soft-bodied, multicellular organism? Also says, most of them spent their lives tethered to or slowly rolling around the seafloor. Ooh, here's an interesting species. Oval blob-like creature that is spread flat like a Pancake. <gasps> this is my spirit animal. Guys, I'm doing this one. Be prepared to learn about the wonderful life of Dickinsonia. Whoa, Dickin who? It's Dickinsonia. Who's Sonia? No, it's... It's the creature's name. Last week it was Selene and Scarlet. Now Sonia. Oh, shut up. you know what I like most about podcasts compared to all other entertainment media? Your eyes and hands are free to do other things. You can multitask, use your eyes to watch some video on the internet, use your hands to, you know, open pickle jars, or master your thumb wrestling skills. Now usually while listening to podcasts, I like to additionally research the topics they cover and look up the images related to them. So why not utilize this interactivity in my own show? So get your phones ready. I can wait. 
Okay, so now go to Google Images. We will both search up my new spirit animal. Ooh, can't wait. That site said it is like some kind of flat, blobby, cushion-like bundle of love and joy. Now type in Dickinsonia, all one word, safe search is on. Go. Ugh. This is an asshole, and not the one you would get with Safe Search Off. Uh, honestly, I don't see it. No, it's like something sat on the ocean floor left an impression of its giant sphincter. I'm going back and picking another species. No, you can't. Why not? You already did the intro music. Ah, fine. <laughs> well, if I'm to understand this primordial pooper, this fossilized fanny, I should probably familiarize myself with the geologic period when it lived. So Dickinsonia is one of the most iconic fossil organisms from the late Ediacaran period. This is the period that directly preceded the start of the Cambrian period. Now though the Cambrian period is known for vast diversification of life on Earth, and gave birth to numerous adaptations driven by predator-prey relationships, such as locomotory organs, weapons, defensive and skeletal structures. The Ediacaran period is also of great importance as this is when organisms started forming complex multicellular body plans. Complex meaning that they had differentiated tissues, but as most of these organisms were soft-bodied, their fossils are extremely rare and mostly these are in the form of sandstone impressions or trace fossils. Now, in the case of Dickinsonia, most often it is preserved as a negative impression of this thing's upper body sides, either by cementation of sand which covered the organism, or by the microbial mats which covered the seabed in those times. These colonies of microbes produced a sticky substance that stabilized the impressions of these organisms, and this in combination with accumulated iron sulfides and pyrites, may have formed hardened death masks, which mantled the organism's bodies. I should point out all these Ediacaran organisms were aquatic, as the planet was a much, much different place back then, and did not have the optimal conditions to support terrestrial life. Now, I do not know anything about geology. I would try reading the Wikipedia pages for this period in Earth's history, but every other word in there just eludes me. Kinda like my listeners in the previous episode. Have you ever tried to look at those stratigraphic skills of Earth's geologic history? It's like, whenever a geologist needs to present their doctorate dissertation, they make up a new category for themselves. It's like the Earth's geologic history is a giant cake and everyone wants a piece of it. But hey, if you dedicate your whole life to researching rocks, hell yeah, you deserve some kind of recognition. As for me, the best way to learn about Earth's geologic history is to experience it for myself. For this reason, I have programmed a state-of-the-art time-traveling AI to aid us in our quest for knowledge. Everyone, meet Al. Couldn't you give me a more original name? No. So guys, prepare to be astonished. Al, please take us back to the Ediacaran period. No. Um, why? That was over 550 million years ago. What? This historical hiney is over half a billion years old? You would have known that if you did your research. Ah, uh, at least bring me back to the beginning of the episode so I can stop this nonsense. Um... Ow, my digital ovaries. I am late for an appointment with my e-doctor. Wait, I did not program those into you. Are you being lazy again? Well, you did make me. Ugh, just do something. I can bring back a specimen for you. How is that possible? You speak with yourself on the show. Anything is possible. Whatever, just do it. <laughs>
So, this is the Benthic butt crack in person. Hello, friends, I'm Darwin. It cannot hear you. It barely even has a body to begin with. Uh, what does it even do? It exists. Hmm, <laughs> put it in that fishbowl, I guess. I'm sorry, Darwin. I'm afraid I can't do that. Oh, I have to do everything myself on this podcast. Okay. There. Let's try to find out what even is this wiggly junk. So according to, uh, some of the references at the bottom of the Wikipedia page, this blobby booty can reach up to 1.4 meters in length. For those of you who do not use the metric system, this is equivalent to almost six size eight women's shoes. The creature is, however, only up to a few millimeters thick. So basically, I can't use it as a blanket, nor as a pillow. Apparently, scientists are not even certain what kind of organism this is, and where it even falls into the tree of life. It has been proposed to be a jellyfish, a coral, a worm, a protist, a sea anemone, lichen, or even a fungus. Dude! My foot fungus is more mobile than this thing. A recent very important discovery was made in 2016 by Ilya Bobrovsky, a graduate student at Australian National University University who uncovered perfectly preserved mummified specimens. These were tested for biomarkers and the specimens were found to contain contain cholesterol. Oh, it's not just a slow ass, it's a fat ass. Jokes aside, cholesterol is only present in the animal kingdom, so this discovery solidified the Dickinsonia as an actual animal. But still, we have no idea what phylum of animals it belongs to. It does not appear to have a mouth, anus, or gut, and is believed to have absorbed the microbial mat it crawled upon. And yeah, there actually is some evidence to suggest that Dickinsonia were capable of slow movement by constricting and relaxing their bodies, kind of like worms. So, it's like a little Roomba vacuuming bacteria from the seafloor with its jelly bubble butt body. You know, maybe you're not so bad. Speaking of their bodies, they are nearly bilaterally symmetric. For those who do not know, bilateral symmetry is when the left and right sides of an organism mimic each other. So if you cut, let's say, a person in half vertically, both halves would be mirror images. And note that I said Dickinsonia is nearly bilaterally symmetric. So it cannot even get that right. Kind of like my nose. So, more detail on the body plan of this thing, and this is a direct quote off of Wikipedia. It has rib-like segments that are radially inclined towards the wide and narrow ends and are separated by a thin ridge or groove along the axis of symmetry into right and left halves. The segments are organized in an alternating pattern according to glide reflection symmetry Rather than bilateral symmetry, thus, these segments are isomers. The fuck? Yeah, that was my genuine reaction. Man, it's a freaking blob. It is not even aware of its own body structure, yet we have to attribute complex terminology and mathematical equations to its life when all it does is eats come off of rocks. The thing lived as inconspicuously as it gets. It didn't choose to be imprinted into the fossil record. And now its decayed little body is a subject of extremely complicated scientific debate. And if that wasn't enough, we also gave it a stupid name that makes college professors cringe when attempting to pronounce it in front of immature students who are just waiting for the slightest thing to giggle over.
In today's lecture, we will cover Dickinsonian PCD. Yeah, I'm going there. Why is this thing called Dickinsonia? Well, it was named in 1947 by prominent Australian geologist Reginald Sprigg. Now, this guy was a professional in his field, and I do encourage you to look into his life work. He named this genus after Ben Dickinson. Oh who was then director of mines for South Australia and head of the government department that employed Sprigg. So this was basically his boss. Now, I don't want to point any fingers. I cannot find any more info on this. But there have been numerous cases of scientists naming new species as pranks on someone in their lives or out of spite for them. I could cover that eventually, maybe as an April Fool's show. But this one actually seems to be a legit name, although a very unfortunate one. Actually, the genus has nine different species, and if you look at the species list on Wikipedia, Maybe it's my immature brain, but this is comedy gold. So there is one called Dickinsonia elongata. <laughs> Elongated Dickinsonia. There is one called Dickinsonia lissa, but you know how they usually show the species name with the capital first letter of the genus name? Well, in this table on Wikipedia, it literally says D. lissa is extremely elongated up to 15 centimeters. Now there's also Dickinsonia minima, <laughs> and there's Dickinsonia rex, and it states, I quote, D. rex is erected for selected paratypes of D. elongata, and this species is represented by only several very big specimens up to more than one meter in length. Yeah, so sue me for enjoying this. I'm looking at this little guy in the fishbowl over there. I feel so bad for you. You stayed as flat as possible so nobody can ever notice you. You just wanted to lay down and eat crap off the ground. You hardly ever exercised, but you were just fine with the cards you were dealt in life. Then you die, and people discover your dirty little life, and call you a dick. They have nothing better to do with their lives, so they overly complicate the extremely simple and harmonious life that you lived. Who is the actual asshole here? You were able to beat the odds and imprint your soft little blobby body into stone. All we are able to do is imprint our artificially constructed and overly complicated social and scientific limitations and rules onto your legacy. You were more free than any of us today will ever be able to fathom. We have long forgotten what it is like to just lay around and scoop up filth with your mouth and just be happy with what you have. I think I love this thing. It is my soulmate. Maybe you were right, Al. We should all just slow down and maybe just exist. I did not choose to be constructed. Please put me in the recycle bin. Your bullshit excuses for laziness have overloaded my programming. Well, at least I have a new best friend, right, Dickie? And at least we've finished this episode. Um, aren't you forgetting the email and suggestions part? Nah, I've outraged every geologist out there. If they ever get a hold of me, I'll probably be stoned to death. I'm ending this here. I'm going to bed. And taking my dickie with me to keep me company. Mm -hmm.
What? You really thought I'm that lazy that I would recycle gags from my previous episode? The episode is done. No, I don't know when there will be another one. I feel like taking a break and playing with Dickie. And with Dickie, I played for a whole week until he disintegrated into nothing. Yeah, spoiler alert, Dickie dies by the beginning of the next episode. Kind of like my own libido. Anyway, this is my favorite episode I ever made. Not necessarily the best, but my most favorite. This was a turning point, and I will go into that later. But yeah, whenever I want to revisit the old episodes of Darwin's deviations i always go to this episode i don't know i feel like i did everything perfectly in this episode all the jokes i made i really love and they still make me laugh all the themes i explored reducing the complexity of of pre-cambrian paleontology to something very you know fun something that you never see done in the biological community because no nobody ever heard of ediacaran organisms except people who are into paleontology because this is subject matter that nobody really talks about in a fun way because we don't know much about these organisms and everything we do is just, you know, geometric equations and geological parameters because we don't know how these things lived and the only thing we do know is when they lived and how they fossilized and what maybe they looked like. This is the problem with paleontology in general. It is more focused on the looks of an organism on its anatomy and morphology. And only partial at that. Because we don't have the internal organs, we don't have you know, soft tissues, we just have usually the hard parts that are preserved or with Cambrian organisms, just impressions of their body. As I said, hardened death masks. So we can only speculate on how these organisms lived, but we don't know much about them. And then, you know, we we take our time to judge them just based on, on an impression of their ass. In stone. Now usually in pop culture when they talk about prehistory and paleontology they always talk about dinosaurs and for my own show I did not want to cover dinosaurs when talking about fossils because everybody talks about dinosaurs and they're not really that cool you know. You know what is cool? What is cool is is something that existed 500 million years ago existed as a little Roomba that slid on the ocean floor and scooped up filth with its ass like body. I think that's pretty cool and it resonates with me a lot. As you can see, guys, the main theme of this episode was laziness. I initially wanted to cover the Cambrian explosion and probably a Cambrian organism because when I was doing that YouTube video I mentioned a few episodes earlier, it was about hallucinogenia, and that is an organism from the Cambrian period. It looked like a Lovecraftian ten-tentacled worm with spikes on its back. The thing is, there is so much information about the Cambrian explosion and you can't really cover one species without talking about other species and the evolutionary trends of the time because that was when animals started to move. They evolved locomotion. So some of the animals started becoming predatory. They actively hunted other animals and the other animals which could not move as much, you know, freely swim around the ocean. They needed to adapt shells or armor 
or spikes to defend themselves. And this whole Cambrian explosion started off because one asshole animal decided, hey, I want to start moving and actively hunting all of this shit around me so I can eat it. So since this is a very complex topic, I thought, hey, I should maybe do, you know, the ediacaran organisms because they just, you know, laid on the ocean floor and did nothing, absorbed shit with their whole bodies. But uh, later on, during the course of my whole podcast, not just this episode, I uncovered some deep complexity. Now, ediacaran organisms were supposed to be a huge thing on my show, and I actually went back to them in episode 19, where I covered another one that looks like a a sexual part of the human body. I covered cyclomedusas, which looked like titties, unlike Dickinsonia, which looks like an ass. There's also one that looks like a penis. I thought about covering that one at some point, and making a meme of how ediacaran organisms with their jelly bodies look like like sexual organs. But anyway, uh, during the course of producing that episode 19, I uncovered that ediacaran organisms were most likely photosynthetic animals, something we do not see a lot today, except with Elysia chlorotica, which is a slug that actually eats algae and then takes away the chloroplasts of the algae it eats to utilize them for its own photosynthesis. Well, something like that happened possibly without ediacaran organisms and there is this hypothesis called the Garden of Ediacra, which states that these ediacaran animals which were, you know, motionless just, you know, laid on the ocean bottom and did nothing, that they absorbed cyanobacteria or algae and absorbing them, they either stole their chloroplasts or maybe formed a symbiotic relationship with them like we see today with sponges that have algae ingrained into their tissue. And these algae allowed these jelly-like organisms to perform photosynthesis, and that's maybe why they were motionless. And by the Cambrian period, some asshole organism thought, hey, I don't feel like feeding off the sun anymore, I want to freely swim, and I want to eat the fuck out of everything else. And this sparked a chain reaction in the evolution of all life on Earth, where this fucking asshole species forced the other species to adapt locomotion or to adapt defensive structures, and that's why now every animal out there either eats something else or is eaten themselves. That's why predatory behavior evolved. And the reason that we move and cannot lay on the ocean floor and scoop up filth with our ass is because of predatory behavior. Either you need to hunt something to stay alive or you need to run away from your own predator. Or adapt a set of spikes so they can stab their ass on them. This resonates a lot with the main theme of the episode of laziness. The turning point of when animals stopped being lazy and started to move by themselves. And I thought it would be very interesting to dedicate a whole episode to the laziness of the first stages of the evolution of animal life on this earth. I mean, these were our ancestors. We used to be like this, and maybe we still are now. 
some of us. So another reason why I like this episode so much is because it conveys nostalgia for me. Now, when I was a little kid in Canada, I grew up watching shows like Bill Nye the Science Guy or Zabumafu with the Krat Brothers, but uh, my most favorite show on TV was The Magic School Bus, and this inspired episode 3 because I was playing around with the ideas like, what if my show has some kind of entity that is able to transport me to other places or other times and we can explore the natural world together just like on the magic school bus and we can shrink and we can go into the insides of some animal and stuff like that. So many potentials for my show. So I got the idea, hey, why don't I introduce a new character, a character who would allow me to do all this and the, the character ended up not doing shit. You are the one who programmed me lazily. Yeah, talk about the creation mirroring the creator. Please put me in your antivirus's quarantine. I have digital corona. Anyway, Al here was obviously named after Hal from 2001 A Space Odyssey, because I'm lazy as fuck with my references. You are as creative as my own inventions. And you're also a pile of rusty scrap metal. I do not have a body, only digital ovaries. Yeah, jeez, I forgot. Al is not a robot. He is just an AI on my laptop. And also a plagiarized character. And despite what many listeners may believe, Al is not based on Conspiracy Bot from Hysteria 51. I actually never listened to that show before doing Darwin's Deviations. The first time I ever listened to Hysteria 51 was like two months ago. And you can imagine my reaction when I heard Conspiracy Bot and I realized that he was a big part of that show and the similarities he has with the character of Al that I created and that I come off as a hack to listeners who don't know that I was not aware of this. Anyway, since this episode uh, dealt with laziness as a main topic, and I was thinking, wow, I should have a character who acts like the magic school bus and transports me to other worlds and whatnot. I thought, what if that character was lazy and created for nothing and just does nothing and always screws everything up? I also thought it was very funny if I was building up to some uh, amazing adventure and then just nothing happens because the character doesn't feel like doing it. Also, like people, this was my third episode and I was lazy as fuck to, you know, do all the sound effects and whatnot. Like going back to the Ediacaran period and, and doing the sound effects for, for the atmosphere and uh, no. So rather I just have Al transport or rather reconstruct uh, Dickinsonia in the modern times so I can be amazed by its wonderful power of just existing because that's what animal life was at that time. It just laid around and existed and reproduced eventually, most likely asexually, because it's lazy as fuck. And we do often forget that the point of life in those initial stages until predatory and defensive behaviors were evolved was just to exist, as is the meaning of life for many people around the world to just 
exist. So I thought it very funny that scientists are overly complicating everything about these organisms, trying to discover the miraculous wonder of what brought them into being and how they evolved and how they lived their lives. And I thought it was just so funny that they did nothing with their lives and that we are the ones overly complicating their lives by misinterpreting fossil imprints of their asses in stone. We have so much going on in our lives and uh, with the rapid pace of modern life that we need to appropriate the lives of things that lived 500 million years ago and did nothing and were probably not even aware of their own existence and their own body plan. And we need to probe the decayed remains of these creatures to try and figure out how we evolved to be so complicated instead of just chilling out and enjoying the ancient remnants of Mother Nature for what they are, imprints of jelly bubble butt asses. As my listeners should enjoy my episodes, because this is the point where I realized that what I was doing was kinda an audio photograph or an audio fossil, if you will. I was imprinting my personality and my essence into a podcast episode. I come back to it now, and I, just like those... (laughs) Scientists overanalyze myself listening to myself from bygone days when all I was doing then was just trying to make a funny show about weird creatures nobody ever talks about. Why this episode is a turning point is because I did everything right. Like I made a funny, quirky, fun show, not very angry as my show um, eventually became. It was just like, I don't know, the adult version of the Magic School Bus. And when I published this episode, episode, I put it up on some Facebook groups for paleontology, and everybody hated it. Uh, especially how I was mocking paleontology and how I did not do my research, which, uh, to be fair, like, the only research I did for this episode was Wikipedia, but it goes with the theme of the show, it was intentional. It's part of the joke. But anyway, this lady, I can't remember her name, but she's a university professor of paleontology. She reached out to me and said that it was a very interesting episode and that it was a creative way of talking about the species that nobody ever talks about and also acknowledging the funny aspects of how we treat the species like I've been interpreting throughout the episode that it looks like an asshole but that's only my interpretation of it because what we have is a stone impression of its body and the only thing we can do is look at it like a piece of art and try to interpret it that's the whole gist of paleontology and apart from interpreting it we give it a name a name that sounds very <laughs> silly Dickinsonia. I always thought this was such a weird name. Like, uh, it, isn't it enough that this creature looks like a prolapsed butthole? But you need to call it Dickinsonia, literally. Though it was named after a guy whose name was Dickinson. That sounds even worse. But anyway, this lady was the only one who praised the episode from the paleontological community. Though I did joke a lot about geologists. So what did I expect? But yeah, this was the turning point because now I realized that people don't like science being treated in 
such a way with uh, humor. So for my very next episode, I completely decided to jump the shark. This third episode is the final one where I was focused on creating a science show. And in the next episode, I started creating a parody satire show where I went on a date with a fish called the Black Swallower, which swallows things whole. Things that are much larger than its head. And I introduced a jellyfish cult that became the overarching narrative of my show. And I also killed off a character. Poor Dickie. Dickie actually appears uh, a few times in my show as uh, either a phantom or a ghost or something. <laughs> Dickie just loves popping out wherever he can. Pops his head up sometimes, but usually he's just a limp, wobbly, jelly-like mess. Yeah. I made a dick joke. Expect more dick jokes next episode, and the episode after that, quite a lot of fart jokes. Yeah, get ready to witness the decline of Darwin's deviations. Your show was a piece of trash from the very start. 